0: You are listening to The Investor Way with Sam Ball and Jonathan McEwen. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and follow us on Twitter at TIW
1: Hello,
0: welcome to The Investor Way with me, Sam Ball, and my co-host, John McEwen. In this week's episode, we're going to be constructing a £1 million fantasy portfolio. So, John, are you all ready? As ready as I can be. Right, okay. So I thought it probably makes sense to start, uh, do top down, so start with the actual allocation of the portfolio first. So my suggestion was going to be 20% commodities, 40% index funds, and 40% individual stocks.
1: I mean, that sounds sensible, I suppose. You're getting the... (laughs) It depends how optimistic we're being about our stock picking, Um, but... If you've got a a generous allocation or a significant allocation uh, to the index, then you're not going to be able to either significantly underperform, but
0: also significantly outperform. So it's going to, I suppose, balance the portfolio. The thinking was as well, because it's a million pounds fancy portfolio. If I had a million pound portfolio, it wouldn't be just in individual stocks. That's fair enough, really. That's to reduce the volatility, is it? Of your, that and also the risk. Is, like if you know, if you, if we actually had a million pound portfolio and we did that, we picked all the stocks ourselves and we cocked it up. That's
1: you know, yeah. it,
0: it, it's just that da- there's damage limitation as well. isn't Yeah, there? and I think yeah, yeah, yeah. although although the index funds are going to drag us closer to a market return, there's yeah. certainly not you know a market return is still very respectable.
1: Depending which market you pick.
0: Well, yeah, that'll be the debate. And then, well,
1: well that, that we, we can come on to that when we discuss which...
0: I think we both agreed on the commodities just from, well, just from reading the Ivy, the Ivy portfolio, really. So I think the idea of that is to produce a good real return. And again, it's, it's going to have a lower correlation to the stocks and the index funds. So it should hopefully help us maintain positive real returns whilst reducing the volatility of the portfolio.
1: That's right, and it's it's also a hedge against inflation. That that could be another argument, and yes, it depends which country you're coming from and what your currency is. But it dep- and I mean we're speaking from a British perspective. There's a lot of quantitative easing. It's unclear what's whether we're going to have negative interest rates. This sort of thing. So it's um
0: it, it's a hedge against inflation. Okay, so should we start with the twenty percent commodities? Yeah. My suggestion for that was going to be. 2.5% Bitcoin, 17.5% okay. Bloomberg Commodities Index.
1: Okay. I mean, I think that's very reasonable. At the moment, Bitcoin isn't included in the, um, in the Commodities Index. so I think it's probably very reasonable to have, yeah, 2.5% in Bitcoin. I mean, do you want to talk a bit about that, Sam, why you would allocate um, some of the portfolio? I mean, we, we did touch on it in the last episode about Bitcoin and the arguments for it being part of your portfolio.
0: Yeah, so it's just just view it as a commodity, really, a digital gold. And like you say, it's not included in the commodities index at the minute. And it is an asset that I think I, I, I certainly want exposure to in the portfolio. And I'd want a small enough amount that if it does well, the portfolio could do quite well. And if it doesn't, the portfolio is going to be fine. So it's, it's a bit of a hedge, really. And I think the two and a half percent, it's actually the same percentage that Ruffer are using in their portfolios, which we discussed last week. So I'd say if it's good enough for them, it's, it's probably good <laughs> for
1: us. Yeah. And in terms of the Bloomberg Commodity Index, so what do we actually have on there?
0: So here we go. The index is composed of futures contracts on physical commodities. 24 commodities are eligible for inclusion, covering six commodity groups, energy grains, industrial metals, precious metals, softs and livestock com- Commodities are weighted two-thirds by liquidity and one-third by global produ- production, with caps on individual and group weightings to ensure diversification. And it's
1: available through an ETF. We're using the Invesco one and very low fees. So that, that's an, a, another bonus of it.
0: Right, so we've got it. And it's immediately, we're down 1,500 quid already. I don't know if that's... that trading fees? It could be trading fees, so that's, at least it's realistic. yeah. I think it must be trade I mean still under one percent but there you go that's a good start (laughs) (laughs) okay so you're
1: already underperforming
0: yeah right so we've got 175 grand of the commodities index Um, but so shall we move on to the index funds
1: so in terms of the index funds I think you could make an argument for a, a couple and it depends how you would want to do it there are more straightforward ways, if you wanted to minimise the number of funds, so you could get a fund like uh, the Vanguard World Index, um, which is sort of I think weighted on the base on the basis of market cap uh, to the whole world. So on that basis, because a large amount is in the US, it's possibly about. 50 to 60 percent US or North America weighted it covers I think about 90 percent of uh, the capitalized world so you're getting a huge exposure um, and it's it is a very balanced fund I mean I would argue for using that if you wanted a greater weighting you could use some A combination of individual um individual sort of countries uh like to have s p 500 we could have emerging markets and you could tweak it depending on how you felt each index or what sort of exposure you wanted did you have any thoughts
0: how on how you would like to allocate that sam so i actually didn't want the world index because of the highway into the us i think like 50 percent waiting towards us is too high anyway for a uk portfolio plus we're going to have another 20 percent u.s in the individual stocks
1: yeah so because okay, of that okay. i would
0: have picked the individual funds um okay okay that that that
1: i suppose that's fair enough i suppose if we're going for 20 percent u.s individual stocks then yeah you might want to reduce that a bit okay and i, I mean i am biased towards the u.s i think it's If you look at it in the last 10 years and just at the individual stocks, it's got such quality companies, possibly more, well, I would argue more than any other um, stock market. And in the last 10 years, I think it's done, the S&P 500 has done nearly 200% return. The Nikkei is the second best performing. And I think that's maybe in the sort of 170%. And the UK is down at, oof under 10% in the last 10 years, or the FTSE 100.
0: Um, I wasn't yeah. planning on having any U.K., in on a- any U.S. in the index, but it sounds like you do. Uh, <laughs> it depends how confident you are in your U.S. picks
1: uh, in, in the individual stocks, I suppose. That, that that's no, I, is what it comes down to. I think
0: I'd be happy to have a small weight towards U.S. if you want to, if you want to, if we want to, okay. maybe if we just... Agree on the, the index funds we want, and then I don't know what the easiest okay. way to do Divide it equally. Divide divide by the number of funds, the four hundred thousand. Okay.
1: 000. Okay. So we could go. We could have an allocation to S and P five hundred then. Okay. But probably yeah, like you say, balance it on the basis that we're going to have twenty percent of portfolio on individual U.S. stocks anyway.
0: Do you know what the? Oh, is it? VUSD, it looks like it's a ticker.
1: Yeah. I mean, you can get, you'd be able to get uh, iShares or from uh, BlackRock or Vanguard will have the same. We could go for an accumulating fund. That's probably the best. Let me just check that. Um, Check the ticker. Okay. And then the other question is whether you go for a synthetic fund or whether you go for sort of a physical, the real deal.
0: I'd go for the real deal.
1: Okay, we can go for the real deal. The advantage, if anyone was considering it of a synthetic fund, is that if you're a UK investor and you're holding a US index, for example, the US government do tax you. And I think it's 30%. You can reduce it to 15% uh, if you fill out the correct form. I believe that a lot of the ETFs that are listed, that that, we, um, that are available to us on the London Stock Exchange are based in Ireland and they have an agreement, so it's 15%. But that does mean that on the, the yield or the dividends that are paid, you will be getting less over here. Some people would advocate for a synthetic fund because using derivatives, it doesn't actually hold the underlying stocks Therefore, it doesn't have to... The, the withholding tax is not applied to it. But I suppose in times of extreme volatility, is that... It, how strong is the synthetic fund and is it actually going to be able to replicate as it's intended to do? I guess that's, that, that's the, the, the query. We'll go for the iShares one, which offers an accumulating one, and the ticker is CSPX.
0: Right, so are there any other funds... That you'd want to include
1: i suppose we'd always you'd always probably want um exposure to the emerging markets so an emerging market uh, index
0: um agreed so i'd, I'd actually i pulled out the vanguard FTSE emerging markets i think that's an income rather than accumulation so i don't know if you want to find one that you're
1: i'll see whether we've
0: getting.
1: got uh, <laughs> With the accumulating ones, it makes managing your portfolio easier. If you just want things to be reinvested, that would be the the main benefit. Because uh, assuming that this isn't in an ISA, you'd have to you'd be paying the tax on it anyway.
0: Yeah, I'm assuming we're not going to be able to get a million pounds into an ISA. Uh,
1: Well, Sam, you have ISA millionaires.
0: Yeah, but they don't start by putting a million pounds in, do they?
1: No, they, no, they don't. No, no, they don't. They don't. Okay, we could go for the iShares Core MSCI Emerging Markets ETF, which is ticker EMIM. I think it's about thirty percent China or twenty-seven percent. You can get one without with uh, you know excluding China.
0: I don't think you, so. It's the top ten countries. In the iShares margin markets index, 13.58% Hong Kong, 13.44% Taiwan, 13.42% China, 12.04% South Korea, 11.07% United States, but that'll be probably Chinese companies listed in the US. So like Baidu, for example. Yeah. 8.17% India, 5.35% Brazil. 3.62% 3.62% South Africa, 2.82% Russia, and 2.66% Saudi Arabia. I I have no issues with having China in there because it's I, I would want some exposure to it. And when it's when it's part of the 40% and it's going to be a smaller part of that, and then it's only going to be 23% of whatever that bit is. I'm not we're not exactly yep. going to be able uh, no so I'm no,
1: no, no absolutely that. Yep, we'll go for that.
0: Right. right okay so that one can go in. Do you have any others that you want, actually? Um, I'll let you go on to the others. Okay, so we might be, need to do the same thing where you need to go and find an accumulation one. Yeah, that's fine. Um, that's fine. Okay, so next up, I actually did want some exposure to Japan. Okay. So the tick, the one I had was the Vanguard Japan ETF, but that, again, all minor uh, income, so we'll have to find another yeah. accumulation.
1: I mean, it's not critical because. Well, it, it may as well be
0: consistent. Yeah. It makes I don't know if there's a way to set this portfolio to reinvest the dividends. So certainly it makes it easier in a years, six months, a year's time because we don't want to come back. We've just got this pile of cash and we don't like we can't <laughs> yes, that I mean we're gonna have that with the dividends from the companies, but I think we want to minimize it. So S U J P Okay, yeah, that looks right. So iShares Japan. Okay. So next I wanted Asia Pacific excluding Japan.
1: Okay, do you you could we could just use the Vanguard one.
0: Looks like they've only got one fund. Oh, no, we'll just we'll just use that. that. Right, we'll keep V A. So the ticker's V um, A P X. It's Vanguard Developed Asia Pacific, excluding Japan. Top ten countries in there: thirty-seven percent Australia, thirty-one percent South Korea, seventeen and a half percent Hong Kong, and six and a half percent Singapore, and then two percent New Zealand. Um, there's a few other tiny ones. Right, okay, so that one's staying. And then my last one, I don't know if we want to try and find an accumulation one, but it's its a Vanguard FTSE developed Europe excluding the UK fund.
1: Probably what you have may well be an accumulating one.
0: Uh, well, I've got V-E-R-G.
1: Oh, uh, yeah, V-R-G. Yeah, 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 that is. It's is.
0: It's accumulating. Yeah, yeah. V-E-R-G, right, okay. Yeah. So keep that one as well then. Right, so that gives us five funds unless there's any others you want to add
1: no that would be you've got it well covered that
0: yeah so we'll have exposure to the s&p 500 in the us japan emerging markets developed europe excluding the uk and um asia pacific excluding excluding japan which we've got separately
1: for reference as well if you looked at the world index the uk would have Uh, account for about four, four and a half percent of that. And obviously, we're going to be choosing UK stocks for 20% of the portfolio. So we are, it sounds like we're allocated to the rest of the world more than the UK, which we are, but as a proportion of the uh, UK in terms of its market cap compared with the world, we're going to be over over UK. We're going to be yeah. over representative of the UK. We
0: will be under representative of the US as well, though. Interesting. Because <laughs> we're not gonna be we're not gonna be near that 60 percent. Um no. But I think it is if... we're,
1: we're not gonna be far off. No, actually well, no, we are. We no, are, we are, we are, we are, we are actually. We're probably be gonna off. be about
0: thirty percent. Yeah. But it's, what, what's quite good is it gives us exposure to the parts of the world that we're not going to have exposure to through the individual stocks. So it is a global portfolio. As well, there's some areas where I would possibly want more exposure, but in a world fund, you'd, be, you'd hardly get any because you are so heavily weighted towards the bigger countries. Right, so we've got 400,000 divided by five. So we've got 80 grand to go into each fund. So I'll just do that now.
1: Okay so sorry we've just changed the Japan the Japan index fund and uh, it's just to one that's listed in the UK uh, and that's accumulating and the ticker is um
0: it is SJPA now
1: SJPA brilliant yeah all right so next we've that that well in fact I think that probably completes our index section
0: yes so it's just the individual stocks now okay so who wants to start? <laughs> um, I can, right. So just just so for what we've done, I think, I, think we, I don't know if we've mentioned this earlier or not, but we've got 40% left to allocate to individual stocks. We've split that. So 20% of it is going to go towards UK listed and 20% is going to go to US listed. We've then each come up with a list of UK and US stocks and we're going to decide on 10 UK stocks and 10 US stocks. And each one's going to have 2% allocation. Do you want me to run down my UK list? Yeah, go go on. So what we'll do is we'll see if there's any that are on both our lists because that'll make it nice and easy. So my UK list, I've got Unilever, Money Supermarket, HomeServe, Hargreaves Lansdowne, Tritax Big Box REIT, Ibstock, Rightmove, Diageo, Rathbones and Imperial Brands.
1: In terms of the, the companies you listed there, some of them definitely, I think, Sam, I'd be with you all the way on Unilever. It's not too expensive. I mean, it's never cheap as a company, but very high quality. It's got growth, but it's also quite defensive in nature. So that would certainly be one that would be on my list. Uh, Money Supermarket, It's some- it's a company that we have discussed. It wasn't on my list, but I wouldn't be opposed to it. And it's, I mean, that's obviously price comparison and it's not looking particularly expensive what's the price to earnings at the moment with money supermarket
0: about 13 at the minute i think that might be normalized though i don't know if that that might not take into account the most recent results yeah so that's normalized i think it may be it's closer to like 17 at the minute Okay. That, that is on depressed earnings because of COVID. So, on normalised, that 13, 14, where it's been in the past, that's probably where it is once it gets back to that.
1: That's right. And I suppose in the current context with the vaccine and the UK now having um, a trade deal uh, with the EU, you could argue that it's it could be looking
0: more positive uh, for mm. 2021 and some well, more in- certainty. We've covered it a couple of times and just the, the growth's good, especially when, when we compared it to Go Compare. I mean, yeah,
1: yeah. For me,
0: for me it blew it out of the water. Zivid ends over 4%. The growth's quite nice. It's not amazing growth, but it is decent growth. So, yeah, I think with the yield and the potential for capital appreciation, I think it's very fairly valued. And going back yeah. to Unilever as well, it's possibly like, that's yielding about 3%, isn't it? It is, yeah,
1: it is. It's, and then Home Surf, that's a company that I think we both liked. So yeah. one that I didn't really know much about. Um and it's also got sort of an online element to it and more of a, a tech sector. Oh sorry, tech um play on it. Do you want to talk a little bit about that, Sam?
0: It's it's like the home boiler repairs. That's that's the core of the business. But then they've also got um what's called the home experts division. So that's that's like it's almost like an Uber for tradesmen and they've got all these like price comparison sites and they've got them in a number of countries so they've got one in Italy as well. But at the minute, they're not really contributing anything to the bottom line, but that's expected to change in 2021. And what what we quite like about it is that even if that home expert side of the business doesn't take off in the way that we're hoping it will do, the core business is still a very good business. It's got a PE ratio of about 25. The dividend yields just over two percent. And even if the home expert side doesn't work, we think we're, we're quite happy holding the core business. So
1: then we've got you mentioned Hargreaves Lansdowne. So that's an online uh, stockbroking platform the biggest online stockbroker in the UK. And again, that's one that's come up. I think it's one that we both like.
0: What were your reasons for popping that on the list, Sam? Yes, it's it's the market leader. What is still a growing market? I think it's a quality business. Dividend yield's over 2% now. It's a a normalised PE ratio of about 26. And that's for a company that's grown grown revenue from 388 million in 2016 to 550 million in 2020 and has grown earnings from 37 per share to 66 per share in that same time period so when you look at how it's growing it's got it's now got quite a nice dividend yield it's the market leader it, to me it looks quite cheap for the amount of the amount i'd still expect it to grow because it is still in a growing market and it's probably likely to continue taking market share off the more traditional um, money managers and stuff like that, because it, it is a very good
1: platform. That's right. I suppose another similar company to that would be AJ Bell, which is, I suppose, a, a smaller competitor um, and is growing. I think a little bit, it's a bit more pricey, um, but then again, I suppose it's, it's trying to perhaps grow market share a bit more aggressively mm.
0: well we, we did look at aj bell and the numbers were very respectable it's yeah, just yeah yeah I'd, I'd prefer the safety of having the market leader when the market leader looks like such a good company anyway yeah
1: no no that, that that's true okay and then you've got tri-tax big box reit so was that um suggesting really just to have some some sort of income play uh, as part of the portfolio or as part of the uk uh, portfolio
0: yeah so the dividend yield i think it's about four percent now i don't think you've got huge prospects of capital growth but it's very very secure so what they do is they let out the massive distribution big distribution centers They've, they build them like near motorways and stuff like that and then they let them out to companies like amazon so it's it's very very it's not like a traditional reit where it's in danger it's it's a reit that's if anything covid helps it because more and more companies are switching to this online model there's going to be more demand for distribution centers and there aren't that many of them so yeah I, I just think it's a it's a quality business and there's there's probably not going to be a huge amount of capital appreciation but i think it is very low risk and a very respectable dividend
1: yeah i mean i had a similar company um on my list which was segro and that was i suppose the same argument might be made for segro that's a company that um yeah has is again sort of warehouse based And it's possibly slightly bigger. It's got a market cap of eleven point three billion and its price to earnings about fifteen. But that has performed very well over the last couple of years on the back of the growth in the you know online e-commerce, Amazon. So I wouldn't be opposed to having either of those companies, to be quite honest.
0: Do you have a preference?
1: I suppose if you if you To make the argument of the the market leader, so Segro would probably be um, the bigger company um, and the market leader in it. What's Um, the ticker for Segro? It's uh, SGRO. Okay, go with that one. I mean, its share price growth in the last five years has been very impressive. It's been about 131%, uh, and that's excluding dividends. What's the yield? uh, It's about 2%. 2.2 percent
0: so lower than trita yeah
1: yeah it okay. is less of an okay. income
0: oh uh, right is it not a REIT then
1: no 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 it's a company it's, oh, it's like okay. a, it's a yeah okay so Ibstock what is Ibstock
0: it is a brick maker
1: okay and I mean I, I had I did sort of factor in having a house builder on the list I hadn't thought so much about the brickmaker although i suspect they're probably they probably move in sympathy with one another on the market
0: they do but a house builder will be affected by house prices whereas a brickmaker is only really going to be affected by the volume of houses sold okay so it's a bit safer i'd say
1: it's a bit safer but (laughs) okay What do you think of the house? I suppose just more generally, what do you think of the house building sector? And I suppose you could have the brickmakers, you know, further up the line as well, in terms of going into our portfolio 2021.
0: I don't know about 2021, but long term, we do have an undersupply of housing. So, and from the brickmakers' perspective, we don't produce, we can only produce about 80% of our bricks, we have to import 20% which isn't very good at all because bricks are cheap and they're heavy, so they're not really something you want to be importing. So really, as many bricks as Ipstock can make profitably, they're going to sell. Uh, in terms of the long term for the housing market, I just think we've we've got an we've gotten undersupply, so whatever happens in the short term with like whatever policies such as how to buy and stuff, in the long term, I would still expect house builders and brickmakers on the back of that to do quite well.
1: Yeah. In this sort of short term, we've got now more certainty after the Brexit deal was announced and also again coming back to it. But, you know, the UK has been devastated, but as a lot of the world has been by coronavirus and by the lockdowns, Um, we're currently in almost a national lockdown now. If you were to be an optimist, we're hoping to have most of the vulnerable people vaccinated by the spring and hopefully that would mean that assuming that this vaccine accounts for the sort of uh, some of the mutant strains that we could return to an economy more as normal by the summer so that's something that would be very positive especially for the house builders and you know the domestic uk focused stocks
0: so would you prefer a house builder or a brick maker
1: i was tempted by taylor wimpy we did discuss it back a few weeks ago and that they'd been quite aggressive during the lockdown. They had done a capital raise and they'd bought up land at the depressed prices, which looking at it now may have been, assuming we, we've got more of a recovery on the way, may have been quite a, a shrewd move. So I would be quite keen to have Taylor Wimpy on the list.
0: Okay, we'll go with that instead of it started there. Is that um, TW the ticker?
1: TW right move. So a lot of people, well, a lot of people in the UK are probably familiar with it if they've ever looked at either renting or buying a house. It's an online portfolio. Uh, it's an online um, platform which is, well, I mean, it's its a website and it's got um, a successful app, but it's essentially yeah. Um, a almost like an, a, a platform for estate agents would you say
0: yeah i think so yeah so well, it's a platform for listing houses so it's And it's, for a lot of people i think it's the first place you go to now isn't
1: it it yeah it's it, the, the name is synonymous with uh, with it really so that's where people go to look and estate agents have to pay quite large fees um to put the properties on but if you want exposure and you want to, the property to sell that's where the buyers and the uh, renters are looking.
0: Yeah. I mean, what I like about it is it's basically a legal monopoly. I mean, you've got yes. Mufler as well, but it's right. I can't remember whether it's got an 80 or an 85% market share, but it's so high that it's it's basically a monopoly really.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right. And it it's a monopoly that doesn't look like it's going to be, or at the moment at least subject to that much more, that much regulation. So it's sort of, can continue and make the profits uh, Hmm. almost as a monopoly as well.
0: Yeah. What are your thoughts on Rightmove? Yeah,
1: I I like Rightmove. Okay. Also got Diageo, and it's a company you may not have heard of, but you've probably, if you've ever been to a bar, you've probably come across its products. So it makes Guinness, um, and then also it's, but the, the other sort of side of the business is Spirits. So it's a distiller and it makes Smyrna vodka, Captain Morgan. It's got a tankery gin. It's got sort of a portfolio of spirits and it's, yeah, list, obviously UK listed, um, but very high quality brands and sort of, I suppose, quite defensive in nature, but it, it is investing in new brands um, and it's growing into emerging markets as well. So it's a big company, it's market cap. Just under seventy billion. Just yeah, just under seventy billion. So it's one of the the biggest uh, companies on the London Stock Exchange. It's never that cheap, but for the growth that it's delivered over the years and over the last ten years, it's in my book it'd be justified and a quality part of your por- of a UK uh,
0: portfolio. I'd lump it in the same category as Unilever. It's just such a quality business, and I think the fact that we don't have any UK index funds means I would, yeah, if we had in UK index funds, I'd maybe sell. do we want it in there? Because it's already such a large part. But yeah, I don't, I don't see how yeah. you can not have some exposure to it.
1: No, and again, I mean, we, we come back to coronavirus a lot. But um, with lockdowns sort of hopefully being lifted on the horizon, more people returning to nightlife, you'd hope that it would be really benefit from that. Obviously, people can drink from home, but uh, they'll probably do both in the next year, we'd hope next on the list you've got Rathbones so that's a wealth manager isn't it Sam
0: yeah so I want we, we've looked at quite a few wealth managers so we've looked at in the last few weeks I think we've looked at Rathbones, uh, Brewing Dolphin and Schroders and I, I like I, I do like all three so it's just a case of which one so it, it, it really was a toss-up I would have been it, I would have been happy to go with either of the other two so if you've got any leaning towards those i'd be happy to go with it but rathbones the growth was just a little bit better and i thought yeah. the PE ratio was still quite reasonable so i, th- I think brewing dolphin might have had slight- slightly better growth than rathbones but it was a bit more expensive they're all about I
1: smaller market. i think brewing dolphins is quite a bit
0: smaller than rathbones i think they're about the same size oh are they the Remember same it? size okay schroder's schroder's is about 10 Shroder's times is bigger the big the the big dog, yeah. yeah, but they're all yielding about four to five percent. So it, it was it was a toss up really, and I went for Rathburns in the end.
1: Yeah, no, I, I'd have no issue with that. Okay, and then last on the list, we've got Imperial Brands. So I suppose Imperial Brands. You could argue with uh, Diageo. It depends what your view is uh, on the ethics of it, and I, a lot of ESG investors probably would stay away from it. If we don't go into the ethics, but we look at it purely as a company. What do you think of it, Sam?
0: PE is about six. Dividend yield's about 10%. If you look at it, if the, if the company survives six or seven years, you, you've got your money back on an earnings basis, and most of that would have been distributed to you through dividends. So it's just at such a depressed price where I think it's, it's, it's still possible, but it's hard to lose on it over the long term. Unless there's some some massive regulatory thing that that we've not anticipated or some massive acceleration in people stopping smoking. But I don't anticipate either of those. Because
1: I suppose the UK proportionately has quite a a big allocation um, or big part of the FTSE invested in tobacco. So there's British American tobacco and there's Imperial tobacco. Imperial tobacco or Imperial brands is the smaller of the two I believe it's more UK-focused in that more of the brands, they're less international, they're more sort of your Lambert and Butlers, I think. It's Bristol-based uh, and has been for uh, a couple of hundred years. And like you say, it's, it's incredibly cheap on a, on the accounting basis at the moment. depends what your views are on, well, aside from the ethics, but when people are going to stop smoking. But in the meantime, they've got an addictive product and they're able to raise the prices if there are increased taxes. And they're a company that I suppose is very familiar with regulation and the change of regulation. And they've been dealing with that for probably the last 30 years.
0: Would you have it in there or would the ethics stop I'd, I'd let you make that call, Sam. Um, Is there any, <laughs> are there any of us on your list that you would rather have
1: instead? So on, okay, so on my list, I mean, I quite, so we, we've discussed Taylor Wimp, we've discussed Unilever. I think Tesco's, there's, there'll be a case for having that as part of the portfolio. Again, it's a quality business. It's turned itself around in the last five years and it's not that expensive. So I'd... I'd have Tesco potentially on the list. Other companies, not, wouldn't advocate too strongly, but DS Smith. I think that had cropped up. Not, not hugely expensive. That makes boxes, and that sort of on, I suppose, on the back of the trend of e-commerce and Amazon. Um, so it could deliver quite a lot of growth. And you know, it, it's not probably. Yeah, uh, you could make an argument on the valuation at the moment that it's it's quite attractive uh, that it could deliver the growth that growth diageo i had um, astrazeneca so pharmaceuticals which is another bigger uk sector so i think astrazeneca has got quite an attractive drug pipeline it's got a market cap of 94 billion but it's recently dropped from its highs back in the summer of about 91 pounds a share it's now down to 72 which is probably close to where it should be it's got a price to earnings of Thirty-eight. I would potentially have AstraZeneca on the list as part of the as part of the UK uh, allocation. Other companies that have sort of been on the radar, but I hadn't looked in too much depth, those primary healthcare properties, which is essentially a REIT. So it would be yes, similar to your big boxes, but it really specialises in uk gp surgeries which obviously there's a big demand for at the moment and essentially it buys up gp surgeries and it leases them back on long leases so sort of typically 25 years um, so it's got a very stable income stream and the other thing to note with the gp surgeries are that the contracts come from the government so they're Generally, assuming you continue with the current form of the NHS in the UK, they've got a very, very stable income stream. It's it used to be a bit cheaper than it is now, and it used to sort of yield, you know, a few years ago, sort of six percent. But the share price has grown, so it's now probably about a three to four percent yield, rather than you know the really juicy yield that it had before. Uh, but I think that company is, as part like as an income play, is probably quite attractive. There's Experian, which is a credit rating agency, which has been delivering a lot of uh, strong growth. It's the UK's leader. I'll just check its market cap. So its market cap is about 25 billion. And it's been uh, delivering really strong growth over the last few years. And I suppose it's essentially trading in data. So that, that, that would be a possibility that I would probably advocate for having AstraZeneca on imperial brands i mean it's on paper it looks it, it looks like a really strong company
0: it was a toss-up for me between imperial brands and tesco oh was it okay I, i'd say if tesco's on your list i'd be quite happy to put it on
1: we'll go we'll go we'll go okay
0: we'll go with tesco's then are there any of your other ones that you'd strongly want on because we can um, we've, we've still got just one we have still got seven of my original list, and I appreciate there was a bit of overlap, but
1: you've um, probably got okay. you've, you could probably I'd, push
0: for another of yours if you want to keep I, would, I would,
1: I would probably push for AstraZeneca. I think.
0: Who are you kicking off?
1: Who yeah, we kicking off. So, oh,
0: so are we? We're at ten. We're we up to nine now. We're ten. Oh,
1: okay. Do you want me to run through? Just yeah, recap. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So we've got Unilever, Money Supermarket, yeah. HomeServe. Hargreaves Lansdowne, Segro, Taylor Wimpy, right move, Diageo, Rathbones and Tesco.
1: Oh, uh, that's a difficult one. I'd maybe I'd maybe kick off Rathbones, because we've got oh, HL. We've no got doubt.
0: A- I, I'm happy with that. All right, so are we putting AstraZeneca on?
1: Yeah, we're putting AstraZeneca on. Okay. Okay.
0: We've got our UK one, so it's will just run through it one final time. So we've got Unilever... Money Supermarket, Homeserve, Hargreaves Lansdowne, Segro, Taylor Wimpey, Rightmove, Diageo, AstraZeneca, and Tesco. We're going to be throwing 20 grand at each of those. All right. So those are now added to the portfolio. So we've just got our US stocks to pick.
1: Okay, so should I kick off, Sam? Uh, yeah, if you want. So my my top US pick w- would probably be Disney. So Disney, I suppose you don't really need that much explanation. I think everybody's heard of it. But it's had a few exciting developments. So obviously 2020 was a bad news for the park side of the business um, with COVID, social distancing and having to close the parks but one of the exciting uh, new developments was Disney plus which had been a long time in the making and it's essentially like the netflix uh, for disney they've put the back catalog online and they've started creating some new shows which will just go directly to their online streaming service yeah so it's got um, obviously it's got the sort of the disney cartoons and films but it's also got pixar and it's got Star Wars and Marvel. Uh, So Mandalorian was part of the Star Wars series, and that's their first major show that they've launched, which has been very successful. They're already over 70 million subscribers um, in the first year, and it looks like a lot of growth could continue. Also, they've got ESPN, which is sort of, delivering live sports in the US and the park side of the business we would hope in 2021 would return as well. So it's a company that I would be happy to hold in the very long term with the strength of the brands and the strength of the business. And it's actually a company that I bought this year.
0: I also have Disney on my list. We talked about it a couple of times already, so I won't go too much into it. But I think on its own, without Disney+, Plus. It is a fantastic company. It's a company that it goes in with the Unilevers and the Diageos, where you can just buy it and forget about it. And it's a quality, quality business. I think it's not cheap. Forgetting Disney Plus, it's not cheap, but I'd, I'd possibly still pay up for it. So then, when you throw in Disney Plus with 80 million subscribers in the first year, they're targeting I think 240 million with by 2024. If you look at what that could add to the bottom line, I think it is. Very, very reasonably priced. And I think it's just a fantastic business. So, yeah, I'm happy to have that in there. Happy to have Disney. Okay. What would your next pick be? My, I had Berkshire Hathaway on my list. Okay. And, do you uh, want to
1: ex, for anybody who doesn't know, do you want to explain a bit about
0: uh, Berkshire? Yeah. So, Berkshire Hathaway started life as a textile business. And then in 1965, it uh, was taken over by one of its shareholders, Warren Buffett um i won't go into the massive details but he's then he's basically used virtual halfway as a vehicle for all his investing for the next whatever it is 50 years uh, he's built it up into just a phenomenal business it's got it's got a large portfolio of equity so about 20 percent of the market cap's actually apple it's got it's it's got about 70 businesses which are owned entirely by Berkshire Hathaway, so for example, Geico, which is the second biggest insurer in the US. It's got a huge insurance and reinsurance business. It owns an entire railroad. It's it's possibly, in my opinion, the most well-put-together business ever assembled for a conglomerate. It's just absolute, the stuff that's in it, and it is trading very, very reasonably. I think it's just an unbelievable company. It's managed by the best capital allocator of all time. Admitted, he's ninety years old, so he's not going to be around forever. But does that, that visit, put you off? No, it's set up so well. It's not going to do as well in the past, in the future, as it's done in the past when Warren's gone. But that's not to be expected anyway. It's not. It, it's obviously not going to carry on compounding at twenty percent a year because it's just too big now. It it it's probably going to move along with the S and P, but it's it's. I can't imagine it doing that much better than the S&P, but I think it's it's m- much higher quality. I, I don't think there is some quality in the S&P, but there's also a lot of stuff that isn't as good. Whereas with Berkshire Hathaway, it's just absolutely quality. I mean, if I had to hold one stock for the rest of my life, it'd be Berkshire Hathaway without <laughs> without any second thought. It's just such a good business. And even though it won't probably won't do as well without Warren, those, those businesses that are wholly owned, I mean, he has no involvement with the management of the businesses. They will do fine without him. Where it will okay. struggle is the allocation of cash, but it can just, it started repurchasing shares anyway. It could pay out a dividend. There's, there's lots of ways to allocate the capital without mm-hmm. having the world's best stock picker, although that is obviously a plus.
1: Yeah. And it's got a market cap of over over half, half a 500 trillion. 500
0: billion, yeah. 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 Are you okay. happy with Berkshire?
1: Yeah, I'm very happy with it. One that I was wondering about um, was something that uh, Warren Buffett has bought um, and has been part of the uh, Berkshire portfolio, which is Kraft Heinz. Did you have any thoughts on Kraft Heinz? It's not made it onto my list. Okay. So I suppose you could you could make the argument for it being quite a, def- well, a defensive company. I mean, it, the sort of brands that it owns are things like from Oreo to uh, Heinz Ketchup, baked beans it's got a very strong portfolio of brands it had had a sort of unsuccessful uh, merger with well between Kraft and Heinz in the last couple of years it took on a lot of debt as part of that merger and it's with the accounts as well it's really suffered um after that about 18 months ago it had been trading it had been trading sort of in the $80, $90. And then it had a big fall. And it was sort of now in the sort of 20s to 30s. I think as we speak, it it closed at about $34 a share. So it's really in the process of turning around and paying down the debt. It's still yielding after the dividend cut about 5%. And I think while it's had a bit of a torrid time in the last few years with 3G capital, um, and some of the sort of merger and the sort of failed cost-cutting attempts I think the strength of the brands in the portfolio and the current price I think it could be it could be an attractive turnaround play
0: it's not a business I'm overly familiar with it's not one I'd have probably put in but you know it well enough that I'm happy to Happy to let you <laughs> state your reputation on it.
1: <laughs> state your reputation. Well, I have invested in it myself, so. All
0: right, well, that's good enough for me, then. What would your next one be on the list? I've got EA Interactive on mine.
1: Okay, go for it.
0: It's, it's Electronic Arts. I mean, I, I'd describe it as the Disney of video games. Really, it's got the Star Wars franchise. It's got FIFA. It's got the uh, NFL over in the US. It's got Star Wars, uh, Star. Wars It's got the Battlefront games. It's got the Sims. It's, it's just got a very, it's got a catalog of very high-quality games. It's trading at a PE ratio for the tra- trailing 12 months of 31.6, but what's happened with it over the last few years is that as games have switched to going digital and they're downloaded, the gross margins have gone up massively, and I think they'll continue to increase. It's grown, and also they've been able to do more like in, in-game purchases, although, although the players don't like them that's something that massively has taken off in the last few years like fifa ultimate team and stuff like that and again that's meant that there's this historically when you bought a game that was the end of it whereas now you buy the game and you keep buying stuff within the game so it's just so much more profitable for companies like ea i think it's just a quality company i think a p of 31 i think it's i think it's quite reasonable um yeah i just think it's a quality business really
1: yeah no i would have no issue with holding ea games so we can put that in
0: right i struggled with the us just because there's a lot of quality businesses but they're just so expensive yeah i really really struggled so i'll go down the rest of my list so i've got pinterest was on the list so that's the social media company yeah, it's had a very very good year. So it's it's trading at yeah. about seventy one dollars a share. Yeah, it's it went public in about April twenty nineteen at about thirty dollars a share. It's it's probably about it's up about three x this year, I think. It's got a market cap of about forty three billion, which as a price to sales, it's I think it's possibly about thirty five, but. Sales have been hit quite badly as a result of coronavirus because there was an initial cut on advertising. But the user numbers, it's got monthly active users of 400 million. It's currently only monetizing the international users to about 5% of the level of the US users. So even if it can't maintain the growth in users, which has been very respectable in the last few years, it can still massively increase revenue just by increasing the monetization of the users it's already got. Mm-hmm. I it is not cheap but I still think it's a business that has potentially quite a long way to run yeah
1: yep yeah. no I, I would I
0: wouldn't I wouldn't bet against Pinterest I'd, be, I'd be happy with that okay next on my list was Etsy which is again it's a company that we've covered it is a phenomenal business it is unfortunately a very expensive business too it's got earnings though so it's trading at a PE of 102 however this is for a company with a 24 billion dollar market cap and a company that is currently growing at about 130% a year revenue so mm-hmm. that that earnings that PE ratio soon comes down i think for for i think it's it's not cheap but it's When you look at what else is out there and just how phenomenal the growth is, I think it's I think you can make an argument that it's still fairly reasonably valued. I think you just I'd argue it was quite undervalued before. Although it's done very well from the low, so its 52-week low was 29 and it's up at 190 now. It actually within the last five years, it had already been as high as about 70 so it's it's only really about just up about 150% from where it was a couple of years ago and that's when it was growing at more like 30% a year so i i think it's justified and like like we said when we drilled down into it a bit more on a previous episode it is just it is a very very impressive business
1: yeah yeah no it's uh, i i would agree with you there um not cheap but i mean it's I suppose it, it it continues to meet expectations or beat yeah. expectations. So and there's
0: a lot of companies in the US where there's similar sort of growth stories, but the growth is worse. The company doesn't see it doesn't seem as I don't know, just as obvious for want of a better word. And it's trading at much higher multiples than Etsy. I don't yeah. I don't understand when you look at how some of the other stuff price, why it's still what I'd consider relatively low. I think yeah. to me, it just seems like a business that's just, It just seems obvious. I mean, like especially at, like with Christmas, like I've noticed quite a lot of people getting like homemade gifts and stuff and anything where it's more personalised. They're going to Etsy, not Amazon. Yes. And yeah. I use it fairly frequently myself as well. So I, I just think it's a phenomenal business. So next on my list was Facebook.
1: Okay. Yeah. A c- company we're all familiar with.
0: Yeah. So 2 billion monthly active users, I think, across all its platforms. It might be even higher by now. That's That figure's possibly about six months old. Market- what are its other platforms then? So it's got Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp. Mm-hmm. It's got something else as well, is not it? I, I don't know if it it's Messenger. I don't know if that counts as... A, as a separate one it used got, to be part of face well it used to be part it you of have a separate Facebook, app now it don't it now, yes. now, yeah it's now a separate yeah yeah so it's, it's another platform for giving you adverts and they've also got oculus which is the vr gaming headset thing but it's only trading at a pe of just over 30 so for in terms of us tech that's not that's not a lot no and the growth is slowing but you know compared to where it was five years ago it's still trailing 12-month revenue it's about $73 billion, and that's compared to $27 billion five years ago. The growth is slowing, but it's still growing. And I think if, if there's anything to be learned from Google, it's that a company the size of Facebook could still grow at 10 or 15% a year for the next five or 10 years. And if it can do that, given how much of that cost will increase as it does more to like combat um, like fake news and stuff, but I think given how much of that extra revenue is going to go straight to profit, I think a price to earnings of 30 is very reasonable. And I think it, the reason it's so depressed is probably because people are concerned about it being broken up. But to be honest, I think that'd probably be quite a good thing. Because so I think if, if Instagram and Facebook and WhatsApp and Oculus were all valued as separate companies and it was broken up, I think they'd be worth more than the 760 billion that Facebook's worth today. I think yeah. you could make an argument for Instagram being worth, you know, three or 400 billion just on its own.
1: Yeah, I, I yeah, I know. I think I think I don't think I don't think that's an unreasonable point to make. I think that's um, it could be the sum of the parts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All
0: right. So Facebook on the list. So next up is a company called Alterx. It's a I don't know if it's a company you're familiar with at all, John. It's not actually. No, tell me about it. So it's it's just it's a data analytics platform. It's probably the way to describe it in one sentence. So it's one of these sub- software as a service companies that are all the rage. It's trading at a price to sales of about 20, which is while traditionally quite expensive, it's it's quite cheap compared to a lot of the other software as a service. Companies. So the reason the price to sales is so low is because the growth has been slowing. So it's trailing 12 month revenue was, 491 million compared to 85 million five years ago however in the last in the year end 31 december 19 trailing 12 the revenue was only 417 million so it's 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 dropped to about 25 percent growth a year however that does include the pandemic where it it did slow quite considerably and now it's picking up so i really it's a bet on the growth i think it can get back to growing to about it's not going to be growing i mean there's some years where it's doubled and it's not probably not going to be going back to 100 percent growth but i think it can get back to 30 or 40 percent growth a year and if it does that i think it's quite cheap it's maybe not it's market caps eight and a half billion if a lot of other u.s stocks more reasonably valued it's possibly not a company i would have picked but in light of how expensive everything else is, I think it looks quite reasonable if they can get the growth rates back to what they were a year or two ago. Yeah, so we'll, we'll have that as well. How many more left? Uh, just one. Okay, and then, one. And then there's a discussion to be had about number 10, because I could only come up with eight, and then we've added Kraft Heinz.
1: Um, have we? Oh uh, Yeah, we
0: have, we have. Yeah. So the next one is a company called Ozone. Again, no. something I haven't heard of. No. So, Ozone is the Amazon of Russia.
1: <laughs> okay. Wow. So, uh, how does it compare with uh, the Amazon of America, Amazon?
0: Well, so its market cap's a lot smaller. It's about seven and a half billion. It only IPO'd about a month ago. Yeah. It's at a price to sales of under ten which is, I think, the main risk is the fact that it's Russian. It's also quite a fragmented market in Russia, and it's not, at the minute, the market leader. However, the the three largest platforms, I think they make up less than, like, 25% of the market anyway, so that's not really a concern. I think it looks... The gross margins are about thirty percent, which that's about the same as C Limited, which we looked at fairly recently. But it's lower than Mercado Libres fifty percent. But I guess that's because Mercado Libres includes its Mercado Pago or Pago platform, which is basically like the PayPal of Latin America. The growth is impressive. Revenues are eight hundred and seventy six million. In the past twelve months, that's up from about six hundred million. In the Year ended thirty-one December nineteen, and thirty and three hundred seventy million. Year ended thirty-one December twenty eighteen. So it's it's growing quickly. I think the valuation is quite reasonable. So price of sales, oh, it looks like it's sites price of sales twenty twenty of about seven or eight. The internet penetration in Russia is not as high as it is in the West. And again. It's one where there's other companies that I'd possibly like to add, but they're too expensive. And I think because this is a Russian company, it's not being valued as highly, but I think it's got, if it can maintain the growth it's already doing, it's got a very reasonable chance of quite considerable capital appreciation without going into massive detail. Yeah. So we'll put that down. Okay. So then that takes us to nine and... I struggled to find a (laughs) 10th, so I'd suggest doubling up on one that we've already got. Okay, and just recap what we've got so far. So we've got Berkshire Hathaway, Kraft Heinz, EA, Pinterest, Disney, Etsy, Facebook, AlterX, and Ozone. I mean, I'm biased, but I'd double up on Disney probably. There's two or three that I'd have been happy to double up on, and that is on the list, so Disney it is. Okay, Disney. Right, so I can add them in at the end, actually. So, right, I'll add them to the portfolio. So I'll just recap what we've picked. So we've split the por- our £1 million fancy portfolio. We split it into 20% commodities, 40% index funds, and 40% individual stocks. For the 20% commodities, we've gone 17.5% the Bloomberg Commodities Index, Invesco Bloomberg Commodities Index, and the remaining 2.5% we've put into Bitcoin. For the 40% index funds, we've split that between five funds. One of them's tracking the S&P 500, another's tracking Japan, another emerging markets, another developed Asia excluding Japan because we've already got that, and the other one's developed Europe excluding the UK. The individual part of the portfolio is split 20% UK, 20% US. The UK portfolio, it's split equally. So 2% allocation to each of Unilever, Money Supermarket, HomeServe, Hargreaves Lansdowne, Segro, Taylor Wimpy, Rightmove, Diageo, AstraZeneca, and Tesco. And for the US part portion of the portfolio, we split that between Disney, which is a double allocation. So that's 4% and the rest of them being 2%. Berkshire Hathaway, Kraft Heinz, EA, Pinterest, Etsy, Facebook, AlterX and Ozone. Any closing thoughts on your expectations for the portfolio, John? <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how it does.
0: I think it's got a reasonable chance of beating the market.
1: Okay. W- okay. Or, uh, uh, let's clarify. W- w- what's the market? Uh,
0: what do you think? I'd, I'd i, I'd, I think the world,
1: I think the world index should be what we're comparing it. No, I do
0: Okay, we'll go with World. What's the World Index for reference at the minute? Um so let's just have a look. See, I don't like the World Index because it's so heavily weighted to the US. If the US has a good year, well you're you it's it's I'm just getting it's my the cap, excuses
1: it's
0: the capitali- ready. It's it's the capitalised
1: world. Right, okay. Okay, so as far as I can see, it's trading at, uh, it's
0: 2,659.27. Right, so that's, and that's on the 28th of December 2020. Right, so that's our benchmark. So how do you think we'll do against that? Uh, okay, so it's difficult because like you say, if the US has a good year, obviously
1: the World Index, because it's based on market cap, is overweight US uh, in that sense. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't think it's going to be easy, for sure. But it's possible. We can hope. I. I, And if there's a bit of a rebound in the oil price, then we're sort of our portfolio has probably got um, a bit more allocation to that. So that could. It could be
0: positive if there's a. Yeah. Um, Honestly, I don't. I just don't know. What do you think? I, I mean, the index. It's hard because the index is like you say. If the US has a good year and emerging markets doesn't. And a few of the other indexes, that we're going to struggle. But I think we've picked some quality stocks, so I'd hope that at least that portion of the portfolio can outperform. I think even if it does, it's going to be dragged down by the fact that we've got the indexes and the commodities. So, I mean, if it could do ten percent a year, that would be fantastic. I mean, <laughs> but that, that 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 would be. I, I think it's. It's not it's not a guarantee. Obviously, but I, I think it's reasonable to hope for that um and what i think is quite good is that if say some of the individual picks go disastrously wrong there's a lot of quality in there there's a lot of indexes in the commodities i think it is i think one thing that buffett talks about is when you buy something if you should buy it on the basis that if the market was to close for the next five years you'd still be able to sleep well yeah. I think if the market was to close tomorrow and we've allocated the way we've allocated it, I wouldn't be too concerned about what state it's going to be in in five years' time when the market reopened.
1: No, I think that's a, I think that's a fair and It's probably quite a useful bit of advice for all investors.
0: And I think even if it doesn't outperform the market, it's probably going to be less volatile than a lot of portfolios.
1: Yeah, it's the beta. It's, it's,
0: it's quite defensive. And it's, it's a portfolio probably... I think it's it's got a few elements in there where it could do very well, but it's more geared towards sleeping well than eating well. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. No, that's it'd be interesting, yeah, so, to look at the beta for the portfolio and see how it compared. Uh, but uh, yeah, but if we no, got that's a
0: situation right. where it slightly underperformed, but it was still a very a, a respectable real return, and it's had quite low volatility. I mean, that's not a disaster anyway, is it?
1: No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. So fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. All right. See you next time. See
0: you next time. Thank you for listening to The Investor Way. To get in touch, please follow us on Twitter at TiWTweets. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not constitute financial advice. Neither Sam nor Jonathan are financial advisors. For investment advice, please consult professional advisors.